Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm Dee Nash from Guthrie, Oklahoma. We call ourselves Garden Angelus because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want others to love it too. Yes, we do. We are also authors and invite you to check out our books, including my books, which are Potted and Pruned, Homegrown and Handpicked, and Seeded and Sodded, my trilogy of gardening humor. And my book, The 2030-Something Garden Guide, A No-Fuss, Down-and-Dirty, Gardening 101, for anyone who wants to grow stuff. Isn't that a mouthful? You can ask for any of our books at your favorite bookstore or find them online wherever books are sold. Speaking of online, you can find us as The Garden Angelist on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And we'd love for you to join our new Facebook group, The Garden Angelist Garden Club. And now on to this week's episode. Hi, Dee. Hi, Carol. This is a weird leafy episode. There's not a lot of flowers in this one. Well, there are, but not until we get to the vegetable segment. Right. So we have a quote for that. We do. And I chose the quote this week, so I'm going to do it. You do it. A beautiful plant is like having a friend around the house. That's by Beth Ditto in the Guardian newspaper. And she's the lead singer of the group Gossip and also a musician. I did not know that. Yeah. So speaking of plants in the house, we came up with one to talk about. Actually, I wanted to talk about it because I've been reading a lot about it and I have none. And it's the Chinese evergreen plant. You have one. Oh my gosh. I'm in love with them. In fact, I just wrote a post on Red Dirt Ramblings, my blog, about these, and we will link to it in our show notes, but we're going to tell you all about them here. Yes, Chinese evergreen houseplants, Aglionema, or Aglionema, but I like Aglionema, and it's part of the Araceae, or Arum family. I did not know that. They are cool. I have heard anyone can grow them. They like to be neglected. They like low light. Uh, But you could also put them in a bright indoor light or anything in the mid-range. Yeah, basically they can have, I mean, they can have office light, so fluorescent light. You can put them in a window. You can put them in between the window and your fireplace. They don't need much water. They look like they're hard to grow. And the ones we really want to talk about are the red aglonemas. Because the old-fashioned ones, which were silver and green, are kind of boring. I'm in love with this plant. I am too. And Dee, I got out one of my houseplant books. This time I went back to 1969 uh-huh. to to read Thal- Thalassa Crusoe, who was uh, okay. quite, quite the gardener in her day. And I think she even had a TV show. But she had a book called Making Things Grow. And I looked up Chinese evergreen. She called it the world's dullest plant. Right, because they are kind of dull. I mean, I saw some the other day, now that I know what to look for, and uh, the regular ones were basically green or silver and green, but the new ones, oh my goodness, and they keep coming up with new cultivars all the time, especially out of Thailand now, and um, they're they're just beautiful. We should say to everybody ahead of time that they are poisonous, being part of the Aram family, they are poisonous due to calcium oxalate crystals, so don't eat them. Well, and Thalassa, I think I'm saying her name right, she did point out that even though it's the world's dullest plant, they're coming out with striped, flecked, and multicolored leaves. So even in 1969, they were coming Mm -hmm. out with a lot of new varieties. 
So I'm on the hunt. Oh my gosh, you will love them. And I get I guess we need to thank Mike Rimland, who's a or maybe Rimland, I don't know him. He's a plant hunter from Costa Farms, the wholesale growers, and he brought red aglaonemas back to the US and made them more of a big thing. Um, he worked with hybridizers in China and other parts of Asia. But um, I'm really grateful to him. I can tell you that. And I, I can tell you a few that you need to buy, Carol. Well, I'm going to go buy them. <laughs> I'm making a list. I have a bunch um, because I kind of went nuts for them. The one that I've seen most common locally is Siam Aurora. And the reason I've seen it most often here is because it is at the box store and you can find it. And usually it looks half dead at the box store because they're overwatering it. Did you know that more houseplants die from overwatering than any other way? I knew that. I figured you did. So especially with this plant, although it looks delicate, looks like it needs water and that it's going to be fussy, it is not. You can water it every two to three weeks. And when I did that Talk recently on houseplants at the Northwest Flower, no, not the Northwest Flower and Garden Show, the OKC Flower and Garden Show. I have spoken at the Northwest Flower and Garden Show, but not this year. Um, when I spoke about them, I let one of mine go for a solid three weeks so people could see that it wasn't dead. That was a great idea. Thanks. It, it also made it lighter weight to carry because I was carrying so many of them. So... The one I would get, okay, so the one you can find the easiest is Siam Aurora, and it's green with red margins. And then my favorite one right now is Red Valentine, which is really pink. That's the one you need to find, Carol. I will be on the look for it. Now, Dee, normally mm -hmm. when you can't find something local, you just snap yourself onto that computer internet, and you find it, and you order it, and you get it shipped in the mail. What's wrong with you? Yeah, normally I do that, but uh, I found all these local. I found Red Valentine at Calvert's, and I think they call themselves Calvert's Indoor Plant Decor now, but it's Calvert's Nursery, and so if you're local in Oklahoma City, that's a place to find three or four different varieties. So Red Valentine is there. And we have a lot of uh, garden centers who are really selling houseplants in the wintertime, where normally you could go in there and they would have nothing they have tons and tons, so I could make a, I could make a road trip and hit a few of them this this week, and I might just do that. I think you should, and then we'll put a picture of it on our Instagram and on our Facebook. And I have pictures of a bunch of mine. Um, they'll also be on the blog, and they've been on my Instagram. And I also did an IG TV episode about one of mine. I mean, they have a kind of thick leaf and that, and it's kind of almost waxy. And I think that's why they don't need much water. I think they store a bunch of water in their stems, which are fleshy. Um, and I think they store some water in their leaves too. So if you want to learn more about aglaonemas before you go out looking for them, once you know what they look like, they're really easy to find. They, they almost, they all have pointed leaves. Sometimes round and pointed and sometimes narrow and pointed. But Costa Farms has a downloadable PDF on them and you can look up, you can look it up there and learn about some of the varieties like Pink Dalmatian, Red Emerald, Simon Aurora. There's so many different ones. Um, 
I also think I found one at a local place that's in Midtown OKC, which anybody local here will know that, and that's the plant shop. The plant shop is a great shop. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Why do you think we can now find really cool plants in the house plant areas? Well, we've talked about this before. It is because the younger people, and I'm not going to classify them by you know, Gen X, Gen Y, millennials or whatever, younger people are into houseplants and they are buying them like crazy. And it's just increasing popularity. You know who else is buying houseplants like crazy? You. <laughs> other than me, it's my best friend. Other than you, you're my other best friend. You're my gardening best friend. But my best friend that I've been best friends with forever, Amy, who I always called non-gardening best friend, she loves houseplants and she actually bought me a Siam Aurora uh, Aglaonema for my Christmas present. And she grows them too. Wow. That's when you can get non gardening people interested in plants, it's always a good thing. Yep. And she loves them and they're easy to grow. I've also seen them at there. We have a, I think it's a, it's a franchise. And I don't know if it's just in the South, but it's called Under the Sun. And they have a lot of them too. And I know that they're getting theirs from, the wholesaler American Plant Supply, and they grow really good plants. So name some places you think you can find them in Indianapolis. Oh, my gosh. I could go to Damon's Nursery, which isn't too far from me. They have a ton of houseplants. And then the other garden centers, Allisonville Nursery. And, of course, since you asked me, they all escaped my name. But, anyway, Altum's Garden Center is another one. And then there's a couple of houseplant stores, um, and I follow them on Instagram, but I, for the life of me, can't think of their names right now. But I will get to That's them. That's okay. I will get to them because <laughs> I've been wanting to check them out. But I'm kind of weird, D, because I, I would like to si- find some of the older varieties of Chinese evergreen that my grandmother would have had. Uh, well, okay. I, no, not for me. I think they're boring. But you know what? To each his own. World's dullest um, plant. I was going to... Yeah, world's dull. When you see those and you see them next to like pink Dalmatian, I think you'll probably buy the pink one. But what do I know? Um, I was also going to point out that you can take them outside in the summer as shade plants. And so those big leaves absorb a lot of sun. So do not put them in the sun or you'll burn them. Like, you know, like jade plant, you burn jade plant with too much sun. So great plant. Oh, and I went to the plant shop that I mentioned. That is a a house plant place. And it's right next to a coffee shop. And I actually bought another plant there, which we won't even talk about today. We can talk about it a little later. But I did see on Instagram, on IGTV, you posted about, I think you were repotting one, weren't you? Yes, I repotted an anglonema and um, I've done, yeah, I've, yeah, I repotted them. I talked about them. I talked about what I was taking to the show. I mean, basically, I'm so in love with them that I've mentioned them almost every day for the past three weeks. People are probably really bored. Well, we're going to post to that in- Instagram TV. Uh, we're going to post that as well on our show notes. Oh, I have one more tip, and I may actually do an IGTV about this too. When you have a plant like that that has really great foliage, like the polka dot plant or aglonemas, I can think of a lot of other ones too, Um, you know, match your pots to some color within the plant and it really makes them pop in your decor. Because if you're growing houseplants, you're not just growing houseplants because you want cleaner air. We've already talked about that myth. Um, But you 
want them to be a part of your decor. So think about that. Hang them in a hanger, a macrame hanger. Those are in too now. They are. All right. Well, let's go on to our vegetables. Speaking of leaves, we said this was a leafy episode. It is a leafy episode. So our quote is, my dream is to become a farmer, just a bohemian guy pulling up his own sweet potatoes for dinner. Now that quote has been attributed to Lenny Kravitz. Do you know who Lenny Kravitz is? Kinda. He played Senna in the Hunger Games. I know you saw the Hunger Games, right? Just the first one. So he was the one who dressed her, dressed the main character. Okay. Really handsome. He's a really handsome guy. He's also a rock star. Um, he's a singer, and he never grows old. And so um, I want to I attribute this and get it right, because we try that really hard with our quotes. I'm not sure he actually said this. He really is a farmer, though, because he owns a thousand-acre farm in Brazil. He went to Brazil, loved Brazil, and he now has this thousand-acre farm. But this quote actually comes from a play by Charles Mee called The Glory of the World, and he definitely did say, I'm going to be a farmer in Architectural Digest. I, the reason I'm telling you guys all of this, and you too, Carol, is because I spent half a day researching where this quote came from. I watched all the video on Architectural Digest. I have to say that it, it wasn't painful to watch Lenny Kravitz because I think he's handsome, but still. That is interesting. So we are talking about the sweet potato and the sweet yes. and the sweet potato vine, which are both in the Morning Glory family, con- Convolvulaceae. Is that right? <laughs> Heck if I know. I don't know. You said, the show notes say, try to say that, Carol. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not even sure I can say the botanical name of sweet potato vine. It's Ipomia patatus. Ipomia patatus. That's how I pronounce it. Either way. Plants not going <laughs> to care. Think it matters. Plants don't care. <laughs> yeah. Plants don't care. And here's the thing. Sweet potatoes that you eat and grow, which I've done, are the same plant as sweet potato vine. And I think people don't know that. They are both the exact same one. And they're part of the morning glory family because morning glories have the same. There are also biopomias. Yes. Oh, and the flower on the ones that do flower in the morning in the sweet potato category. That looks like a morning glory flower because I've seen it. Yes, just a little thing though. It's little. It isn't. It isn't dramatic. So let's talk about the ones you eat first. Well, I have never grown the ones you eat, but I've seen at the farmers market where they will sell sweet potatoes that you can grow to eat, and they always have some great big mammoth one that's bigger than your head that would not be edible at that size. It would not taste good. No. Right? Yeah. You don't want to harvest them when they're that no. big. I have grown them. And? I've grown bore I oh easy. Easy peasy to grow here in Oklahoma. If you are afraid of growing potatoes, because potatoes can be a little bit finicky, um, I say in Oklahoma and Texas and the South, you just go and grow some sweet potato slips and you will think you are the finest gardener in the world. Yeah, and I think that they're fairly easy to grow in Indiana as well. I have personally just never allotted the room for them in my precious little garden. So I grow them, I've grown them in my potage, and I've grown them almost like the decorative sweet potato vine in that I put them down in the soil and then they trail everywhere. And it's really beautiful. And I'll put a picture on our Instagram this week. But also, I wanted to say that you harvest them right before you have a freeze. 
because they're a warm weather plant. They're a tropical plant. So um, you could eat the ones that are the decorative sweet potato vine, but it wouldn't taste very good. So choose ones that taste good. Have you ever had Japanese sweet potatoes? I have not. You can buy them here in the specialty stores like Natural Grocer. Um, they have white flesh. I'm not going to say everyone does, but primarily the ones I've eaten have white flesh. And it's quite dry, more like a potato. Um, but it's like eating a potato um, that is slightly sweet. It's different. It's a different texture. Well, and before we talk about the sweet potato vines that you grow for the ornamental value of their leaves, let's talk about the sweet potato as a food. And you have some very interesting information about how they're using sweet potatoes to combat hunger in places. Yeah, in... In Africa, in various places in Africa, of course, sweet potatoes grow really, really well. And we have a link to a, a great article on hunger, and it's really good for you. Sweet potatoes have a lot of carotene. They have a lot of, is carotene and vitamin A the same thing? It might be. Anyway, they have a lot of vitamin A, a lot of carotene. Um, they also have a lot of vitamin C in the orange-fleshed ones. And that's what I was going to suggest if you grow them. I mean, if you want to grow the Japanese ones for fun... Um, Murasaki is a good one to grow, but also I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't grow Murasaki. I would probably, I, I've always grown the orange fleshed ones because here's the thing, they're really good for you. Um, the other thing I was going to say is that they're also using sweet potatoes for sweet potato flour and sweet potato flour is where they dry the sweet potato and then they, it turn it looks like a flour and I've actually cooked with it because I did It's a gluten-free flour because obviously it's not from a grain, so it doesn't have any gluten in it. And also it is a paleo flour. It is low in glycemic, it's low glycemic, and it's pretty good for you. So they're using it for lots of ways in Africa. Another, Another great crop that they use in Africa for hunger is the pumpkin. Oh, I did not know that, but that makes sense as well. Yeah, there are a lot of soups that are African soups that are pumpkin and peanut. They use peanuts too. So they're always working for a plant that you can get a lot of sweet potatoes or whatever whatever fruit you want um, that will store well. And sweet potatoes do store well. Pumpkins usually store well. It makes sense. Peanuts store well. That's true. Um, and I've actually made chili where the one of the ingredients was a can of pumpkin, not the pumpkin pie mix, but just plain pumpkin. And it just, mm-hmm. it adds a little, um, it just adds a lot of nutrients without adding a lot of uh, bulk, I guess. So it actually turned out pretty good. Yeah, and so back to Lenny Kravitz, he eats a ton of sweet potatoes because, and also some of these other things that we've been talking about, he at this point in time is vegetarian. Sometimes he's pescatarian, but the point is down in Brazil, they grow really well. And so they grow a ton of them on his farm and they eat a lot of great organic produce. So if you want to grow sweet potatoes and you live in the central part of the United States, I say grow them. They're super easy. Now, do you want to talk about the decorative vine? No, I have a question for you first. What is a pes- okay. What is a pescatarian? A pescatarian eats fish. Oh, okay. I had no idea. I thought, oh, is she mispronouncing Presbyterian? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's also (laughs) ovo-lacto. Something with eggs. They eat eggs and milk. Eggs and milk. But let's move on. Move on to sweet potato vines and um, 
these are something I always just, when I go to the garden center in the spring and I'm buying stuff for my containers, I just always throw a bunch of sweet potato vines in the cart because they sort of mix in with just about any plant container that I have. Right. They look great. And so which one do you usually do? Do you usually do black ones or green ones? I usually do the green ones, but I'm always attracted to the black ones too, so I get some of each. Yeah. Um, So there's a complicated thing about how these came to be these decorative ornamental plants, right? Um, there's, there was a horticulturist and his name was Hunter Stubbs and he found the chartreuse margarita in his Raleigh, Raleigh, I don't know why I said Raleigh, Raleigh, North Carolina garden. Um, he was a friend of Dr. Alan Armitage. And so Dr. Alan Armitage released it through the university of Georgia. It was a sport that grew off of some other sweet potato vine he had. Now it's used everywhere and it is a grower. It is. It grows and grows and grows. And sometimes people complain about its excessive growth. But my thing is, is just cut it off and soon you'll have more leaves and it won't matter. Right. I just cut it back. Right. Um, I, I still love margarita. Sometimes I grow it in my raised gardens. I also love, let's say a little more about Hunter Stubbs. Hunter Stubbs was a big deal. And he was really young and sadly... He passed away in 2017 from brain cancer, and he was only 47. But he had a huge career in horticulture, and I was really pleased to learn more about him when I was doing some research on it, research on sweet potato vine. So the long vine dark-leafed one is blackie. Right. That's the traditional one. And now they're emphasizing, they're trying to emphasize ones that don't grow quite so long because some people want to use them in containers, and I guess they don't like lush growth. I don't know. Um, the Sweet Caroline series is really good. That's through Proven Winners. I've grown a bunch of those. The Sweetheart ones all have heart-shaped leaves, which I love anything with a heart-shaped leaf because I love hearts. Basically, there's a sweet potato vine for any garden situation. Right. And we'll link to some of the Proven Winners ones. But if you go to any greenhouse that's selling annuals and plants to put in containers, they will have sweet potato vines and I'd be surprised if some of our, any of our listeners haven't grown it. I would be really surprised. I would be too. Um, there's one that was actually developed in Oklahoma um, at one of our nurseries, and it has a black leaf with green splotches. And I honestly don't know what happened with that. I think a national company kind of picked it up, um, but I couldn't find it for this episode. I tried. Yeah, I do like some of those that they're starting to have with the splotched leaves. So anyway... Speaking of containers, let's move on to our dirt, which is surprisingly this time our dirt is about dirt or as the more, <laughs> or as the more refined call it, potting soil. Yeah, potting soil or soil. Yeah. Um, we don't have a quote for dirt today. No. Nope. But, you know, we don't need one. So after I spoke at the OKC Home and Garden Show, one of my friends, Letitia Waters-Pierce, who has the Grow Anywhere box, um, which is a great contraption if you like to grow in containers, um, she wrote me, uh, I talked a lot about potting soils when I was up there talking about houseplants, and she wrote me on Facebook and said, hey, have you tried Redbud Living Soils? And I was like, no, I don't know anything about it. And so redbud, because our state tree is the redbud, I thought that meant the tree, 
that they were referring back to our state tree, that little flowering tree with heart-shaped leaves. Right. There's the hearts again. They were not. What were they referring to? <laughs> um, cannabis. They they are a cannabis growing uh, supplier. Yeah, but they but they like all types what? of gardening. So you mean marijuana? Yeah. Oh my gosh, marijuana is legal in the state of Oklahoma, which always surprises people. It's legal for medicinal use, but let's be honest, it is so easy to get a medicine card in Oklahoma that um, yeah, anybody can have it for medicinal medicinal use. Um, so it's this soil and I went in and talked to the person who was working there and she was very helpful and this soil is really expensive, but I'm going to tell you what it's composed of. Okay. Cause it's not a basic, it's not a basic potting soil. Let me sit back and relax because this is a litany. Go ahead. It is a litany of stuff. All right. So it has peat, perlite, rice hulls, which by the way, I love rice hulls, compost, biochar, oyster shell flour, gypsum, azomite, I don't even know what that is, basal, basalt rock dust, I do know what that is, crab shells, fish meal, alfalfa meal, fishbone meal, kelp meal, and diatomaceous earth. I guess the diatomaceous earth is to stop anything that crawls in the soil, but okay. Um, it is ridiculously expensive. It is ridiculously expensive. Um Azomite, I'm looking it up for you. Uh, I think it has to do with soil minerals. That's what I can figure. Okay, probably, because I bet it is a mineral. Um, So it is $27.99 for 1.5 cubic feet of potting soil. And they don't call it potting soil. They just call it soil. Okay. And living soil. Wait a minute. I have a better definition of azomite. Okay. Azomite is a natural product mined from an ancient mineral deposit in Utah that typically contains a broad spectrum of over 70 minerals and trace, I got to get to the trace nutrients, I bet. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Trace nutrients. Because have you noticed lately, everybody doesn't just talk about the basic like MPK stuff. Now they talk about micronutrients or trace right. nutrients. That's a new thing. Right. Okay. So here's the deal. It takes three bags of this to fill one of those containers, one of the containers that's local. So either you can either do smart pots and then there's another company called grassroots. I don't know if grassroots are made in Oklahoma, but I decided I would try three containers and I would try nine bags of the soil. And now all of our listeners are gasping. And I understand that if I couldn't take it off my taxes, I would so not do it. But I just had to try it for all of oh you. My. So you don't have to try it. I know it's oh. stupid. I get oh it. Oh my I God. D, D, D. Yeah. Just, so those, <laughs> that means those tomato plants are about $125 each for these deals. The good news is, as I'm working on something with um, Smart Pots, because I love them, and they're sending me 10 more containers that I'm going to try other potting soils in. So I'm going to use our local one from TLC Gardens for three plants. I'm going to grow three plants in this special cannabis potting soil, and then I'm going to grow three plants probably in... One like Happy Frog, because I love Happy Frog potting soil. So I'm going to try it. What the heck? You should try it, Dee, and I'm going to tell you that I, when it comes to dirt, I'm not fancy like you. I'm not uh, fancy normally. I know. I, 
you know, for potting soil, you and I finally just decided to do. I just what? go to the greenhouse around the corner and I buy a bag of the stuff that she's using, the commercially ready stuff. So yeah, does it have chemicals in it? Because all of these soils are potting soils are organic. They these are all no no chemicals. No additions. Okay. No, no, they're pretty bland because there's some really good. There's some really good um, potting soils out there that have peat moss that also have chemicals in them. You know because they have chemical fertilizers. But I don't want to grow my veggies and chemicals no. personally. So I just think that's interesting, and we'll see how how it goes and see if it makes any difference at all. Which I'm not sure it will. And but I, it can't hurt. No. Right. If you can grow a good cannabis plant from it, surely you can grow a good tomato. I have one funny story about going there, though. So we pull around the corner, and I knew it was cannabis potting soil and cannabis supplies before I went over there. And um, we pulled up, and Bill said, why does it say must be 18 to enter? And I looked over in the window, and there was a cannabis plant growing in a, in a spar pot. And I said, well, that would be why. And he started laughing. And so I said, okay. And yes, the whole place did smell like pot. Bill couldn't smell it, but he can't smell anything. That's interesting. I was like, but I will say this. The lady I was talking to, I said, look, I'm going to use this to grow tomatoes. I don't grow cannabis. I have no desire to. Um, But I I said, I'm going to grow tomatoes. And she goes, you know what? When I started growing cannabis, I became really interested in gardening. And she goes, now I grow all my vegetables too. So look at that. Cannabis as... Cannabis as an entry drug to garden. That is that is that? Uh, that is something. Here in Indiana, we will not find a cannabis growing store at all. That is not what our state laws are. It's not legal yet. No, it's, it's legal, legal in Michigan. Yet. It's legal in Illinois. It might be legal in Ohio. I'm not really sure. But uh, the news was, if you buy it in Illinois, because they just went legal on January 1st, um, best not cross uh-huh. that state line with it. That's interesting. Well, in Oklahoma, you know, there's we joke all the time that there's a cannabis or a CBD oil place every 20 feet that it's required by law, which is a joke. So, so D, I have one other potting soil that I want you to try. I was thinking about, and this, this thought occurs to me periodically, is I'm not sure what my grandmother would have used for potting soil. So I looked at, right. I went back to Making Things Grow by Thalassa Crusoe from 1969. And she said people use good old fashioned leaf mold for potting soil. So. Yeah, I'm sure they did. I want you to find, use your own compost in one of those pots and see how it does. Just my leaf mold? Yes. I don't know. I want you to. I don't know if it would hold. I don't know if it would hold the roots well enough but you know maybe i will i might do that i do have leaf mold i have piles and piles of it and use it all the time in my gardens so anyway that's my challenge to you d use your own compost in one of those pots and tell us how it works okay wait a minute i'm looking at the show notes right now and according to mother earth news i have to heat it up in an oven to kill off all the bad stuff inside of it wouldn't that also kill your mycorrhizae no that's if you're going to use it inside for a house plant, oh, you're going to use it say outside in your smart pot to grow your tomato. You would not have to do that. Well, I do know this about leaf mold. You can start some really good seeds in it, especially if you mix it with a little peat moss too. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to... Oh, and let me say one more thing. The other soil by Happy Frog, I think it's about $20 a bag. So... 
the Redbud people aren't so far off, but I wonder about using an ingredient that comes out of Utah that's rare. But anyway, yeah, this is just for this. And she also said, you can reuse this and just add some amendments back to it next year. What she doesn't know is I often reuse my potting soil anyway. But that's another another whole topic for another day. Right. And we will talk... Um Anyway, I've issued my challenge to you. Please try with your own good compost, one pot. And then next yeah. next week on our dirt, we're going to talk about organic soil enhancers that are showing up all over the market right now. Right. We saw, we each got some that um, were given to us or that we bought. Yeah. That'll be interesting too. So I'm excited about that. So anyway, that's our show for today. As far as I can tell, I think we've covered everything. We have. And we want to thank you for listening to The Garden Angelists. If you like our podcast, please tell your friends about us. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, we'd love a review. That helps us get noticed by others. Yes, and be sure and check out our show notes for links to more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites and various other places we are. It was lovely to chat with you over the garden gate today. Bye until next week. Bye.